on this episode of the DJ Bob Show. It's it's pretty unique when the artistry of the show matches the mission, right? Where where you feel good, you feel good about the show, not just because of the work you're doing and you're having fun, or you're you feel like you're you know doing good performance, but because the mission is so important. Hello, neighbor. How are you? You're just in time. A very special guest is coming over, and he has some wonderful things he wants to talk to you about. I think that's Spencer now. This is the DJ Bob Show. So, thank you, Spencer, for joining us on this show. So good to have you. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm thrilled to uh, I'm thrilled to talk to you. Happy to be here. Well, uh, well. First, before we get to the nitty gritty, I want to talk to you about how much of a new fan of the show you are. Because I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been. I you know I I'm doing my homework. I um I no 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 McNeil connected us and. Um, and I started, I started listening and going through and, and, you know, we have so many similarities, you know, uh, all this uh, puppetry and people who are puppetry adjacent, um, and, uh, children's media and like early Nickelodeon shows and all the way to like some of the literature, um, 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 you know, Freak the Mighty and some, some of those books. So yeah, you, you and I have a lot of crossover in, in our, uh, our, our pop culture, uh, appreciation. When, you know, when people bring up. When people bring up Freak the Mighty, you know it's gonna be a good time. Be not yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes, you know that you know that person has good taste. <laughs> yeah, we should do a Freak the Mighty appreciation podcast another time. But, si- si- sign me up. That sounds great. So let's talk about your background. Like, what got you into this whole entertainment realm of things? So I was a um, I was a PBS kid. We we didn't have cable growing up. I, I grew up in um, in the in the burbs in the suburbs of uh, of Kansas City, um, and we didn't have cable. And so I watched what was on PBS. Uh, so of course it was Sesame Street, Mister Rogers, Shining Time Station. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of all those great shows, and there were puppets everywhere. Um, and so, so being a puppeteer is actually the, the only thing I've ever wanted to do. I, for some reason, I latched onto it early. Um, and I have incredible, uh, I have an incredible support system. I have incredible parents and, and teachers who, um, encouraged me and gave me books and, um, and donated old fabric and gave me puppets and, and helped me find ways to, um, become a puppeteer. So I, I got in, I got in early and I'm, I'm so, so fortunate to have been able to, you know, to be a working artist and to have been able to translate it into a career in puppetry. I'm, it's, um, it's a dream. Now here's like a, a nerdy deep dive question. Um, was there like a piece of media that you watched like a behind the scenes thing or like a special that made you say, Oh, that's how they do that. Like, okay. Oh, so many. And that's one of the things I love about puppetry, right? Is that on 
it, it's it's kind of equal parts on stage and behind the scenes, right? There, there's there's this kind of technical aspect. I loved, even I remember as a little kid watching Sesame Street and looking for the rods, looking for the arm rods and trying to imagine where the puppeteer, you know, the puppeteer was standing or, oh, this, I mean, this puppeteer must be stuffed in a sofa in order for Bert to be sitting on uh, on the sofa or things like that. I, I vividly remember there's a um, there's an incredible museum. I want to say it's called the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Mm. And my family was there visiting. Um, I've, I've got um, cousins who live there. And there was an exhibit on on dinosaurs, the Jim Henson, you know, sitcom. The, oh, really? Uh, That's the, cool. The prime time. There was a dinosaurs exhibit and they had the um, Earl Sinclair head like in a glass case with all these push buttons. And half of his face um, had had like the the rubber skin on it, and then the other half had no skin, and it was you could just see the mechanics. Um, and it was, and you could press a button to run the eyebrows, and you could push a button to open the mouth or blink the eyes. And I was obsessed. I think I just spent the entire, you know, we were at the museum for three or four hours, and I. Um, I was just, I just could not get over seeing, seeing these levers pull, you know, the, the eyebrows and, or seeing it go into a grin. And then, and then in that same trip, um, that part of, I don't know if it was part of that same exhibit or if it was just kismet and it was also showing at the, the Museum of Science and History, there was a like animatronic puppetry, um, film, like a, like a little, you know how they do those kind of specialty docs, like swim with the orca whales or, yeah, yeah. The history of the sea lion, or those things, and for whatever reason, this one was like a, a puppetry, animatronic puppetry, and so they were showing scenes from. I think they were showing scenes from Jurassic Park, and the the one that I remember was from Jumanji, where they're showing all this practical puppetry. They've got this scene with a lion, and there's like six puppeteers off camera. I forgot there were puppets in that. Yeah, there's like some old great practical. There's, you know, there's a lot of CG too, but there's some nice really moments of, of practical puppetry. And they've got six puppeteers who all pulling cables and then they've got a guy and then they like say cut and this guy crawls out of the back of this lion puppet and I remember just being blown away and saying, "Oh, that's that's it. That's that's what I want to do." So then when I was in elementary school, if you'd asked me what I wanted to be, I would say, "I want to be a Jim Henson workshop animatronic puppeteer." And it was, um, and it was, you know, you know, kind of a, just a smarty thing to say. That was such a specific. Oh, and I bet people were like, "That can I?" That, like, that can... <laughs> they're like, they're like this, this kid is, this kid is very uh, um, uh, specific." <laughs> um, but but I was upset, and then I also had uh, what is it? I've got it on my bookshelf right now. I think of, of Monsters and Men, the, the Jim Henson Creature Shop book. And I would I would pour over that book too. So so yeah, I mean there there's there's so many little kind of touchstones like that um, that I would become um, I would become obsessed with, and I'm I have I'm super fortunate to get to to be in, in that world now. Yeah, one of the things I'm I'm kind of obsessed with and watching on YouTube is are the Muppets on talk shows. Yes, yes, totally. It's funny. I mean, and the, all the different styles, right? Where sometimes, sometimes Jim is out. Sometimes they're out there with their characters. Sometimes they're stuffed in chairs. And yeah, like there was a point in time in the '90s where, like, like Rosie O'Donnell had like a had Elmo on there like every week. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. So it's yeah. like, like there's so much stuff, and like to think like Kevin's under that table. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Once, once a week, going going back for a re- reoccurring uh, gig. I mean, we, when we do when Sesame does the morning shows, like Good Morning America, or any of those. Some sometime I don't know how long ago, maybe maybe ten years ago now, there was some morning show that like it was like the Muppets take over, and they had Muppets in the control room, and they had Muppets everywhere, and and now often when the Muppets come back, that's what they they do that same like shtick. Uh, they love doing that. They like, oh, um, there's somebody else is uh, visiting the show. It's it's a it's a Muppet takeover, and it's like the same gimmick that they use over and over. But it's it's uh, it's really fun. Like those little appearances and those things make me happy. Like to see them in the real world, it's like cool. Yes, yes. I mean, puppets in the. I mean, it's one of the advantages of puppets, right? If it's not an animated character, it's like something real and tangible, and it can and it can be in the real world. It can go sit behind a desk. It can um, it can be outside in the snow uh, talking to fans. Um, it's it's that's one of the things I love about puppetry. So you know, speaking of puppets, we need to talk about Mister Rogers. Ah, yes. Let's talk about that whole story. Like between you watching it as a kid to you, you know, being asked to work on this film. Uh, I mean, so I I loved Mister Rogers' Neighborhood growing up. Um, I I I love and and for some of the same reasons that I love puppetry, right? He his programs so often um, have those those um, picture picture videos where they where they go behind the scenes of. The Crayola Factory, or of, I love that one of how a how a violin is made. You know, like I love seeing. I'm fascinated by those by those processes. Oh, and I I really love the ones where he visits um, artist studios. Mm. I f- feel like that is so valuable to show young people. Like, oh, here we are. Um, we're we're at Eric Carl's studio. And he's just an old man wearing an apron, and he's playing with paint on these um, papers. And... I've always wanted to talk to him. Oh yeah, I mean, what a legend! But Miss, but Fred Rogers like made those artists so um, accessible, and 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 showed young people. Oh no, this is this is a job. Um, this is a, a perfectly valid way to um to make a living or spend your time. And I th- I think that is I think today we're missing that. I feel like there's so often the art making process is kind of hidden and, and made mysterious. Um, and so I, I loved any time that they would go and go and visit an artist or a musician or, um, you know, the, the, the Yo-Yo Ma episodes, uh, I feel like are so unique. And so I was, I was, a hu- I was a huge fan of the show. And then, and then in this, in this, you know, this crazy world, um, a, se- a series of events led me to being able to um, to work on on the film, and it was um, it was a dream. It was a dream. And what was really cool and 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 um, unique about the experience was that so many people who were working on the film, from from the director on down, were also fans of the show, and and not just and and fans in a, in a sophisticated way. You know, fans in a way that they wanted to be honest and true and. 
if they were going to make this movie, they they wanted to, they, you know, you can't really have Fred's approval. Fred's not around anymore, but they wanted to, um, they acted as if they, as if they would get it. You know, they, they really acted with integrity and tried to get every little detail just right. And so it was just really a labor of love. Um, so it was, it was so much fun. Tell me about reconstructing the puppet for those who don't have the Blu-ray yet. <laughs> I just got it. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, that's right. There's that nice little featurette. Um, so it was a, it's you know, it's a, like a really fun and really challenging task, right? We have to we have to create um, um, six puppets, um, and and they need to look like the puppets did in in 1998. Um, and you know, and there's 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 some great histories of of. Uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. There's there's a pretty good like kind of wiki page that kind of goes through all the episodes, which was super. Oh, those fans go crazy. Yeah, they were. It was super in depth, and that was really helpful. But as far compared, but even compared to the Muppets or something, there's not really as as much kind of like technical information about you know how the show was made or especially how the puppets were made. And so we just started doing um, we started doing our homework. I I gathered an incredible team of artists. I had um. Um, Deb Hertzberg, who's a um, uh, incredible costume um, uh, builder, who specializes in aging and distressing fabrics, because I, I knew that was going to be part of it. How can we make these puppets look like they did in in 1998 when the film takes place? Um, I hired um, Brian Hames, who is a um, stop motion um, animator and puppet builder. I feel like we have mutual friends. I feel like I know people that know him. Oh yeah, I bet I bet you do. I'm sure you do. He he is a brilliant artist, um, and and director, and he you know he specializes in, in in beautiful tiny objects for camera, and so and so I hired him to make um Daniel Tiger's watch and and um King Friday and Queen Sarah's crowns, um and then and then I've got a friend who is a um incredible kind of hot um um uh, knitter who does like high-end crazy fashion and, and unique knits. Um, and so she, I, I, I brought her on to knit Lady Elaine's sweater. Um, so we kind of assembled this like all-star team of artists. Um, and then we did as much homework as we could, you know, just from uh, Google searches and books and everything that we could comb off the internet. And then the production sent, um, sent us to the archives there's the Fred Rogers Archives in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. It's a part of St. Vincent College, and it's this beautiful um, little exhibit. And they've got all of his they've got his archives there. So he he saved a lot. Of, he saved almost everything. So I've got all of his letters and notes and things like that. So it's a really really cool place. And they um they closed down the exhibit for us for the day. Um, so we had we had just private access, and they took the glass out of the case with the puppets and we're, we're, we're there, we're there with the head archivist, Emily, who's, who's brilliant. And, and she looks at us, we're all like wearing our, uh, our, our rubber gloves, like our blue rubber gloves to, to protect everything. And she looks at us and she goes, you know, I've never handled the puppets before. <laughs> and we were like, Oh no, what? Oh, I hope I, you know, I can see the, um, I can see the headline now, you know, uh, 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 I can't, Daniel Tiger just destroyed. <laughs> um, you know, it turns Daniel Tiger turns to dust, um, and so we sh- so so one by one we 
pull the puppets off of their stands in the exhibit and we'd lay them out on paper and and get to work and um, do tracings and and measuring measuring every single possible thing that we could that we could find or measure on the puppets and seeing where the seams were and and rolling rolling back their sleeves to to see um um what the what the puppeteer or what the sub sleeves were and measuring uh, 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 all the whiskers on Daniel Tiger and um, doing color matching, trying to trying to find all the right colors. So when we when we left, we had that, and um, it was it was really intense. It was very in intensive work, and we were, you know, very nervous. You're handling these kind of um, icons, um, but I I got to try on um, all the puppets. I got to, I got to wear all of Fred's puppets. Um, and and see how how they work and um and I was it was really it was really um interesting it it struck me that the the puppets construction matched their personalities so like Daniel Tiger um is is super um soft and lightweight he's 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 got a um carved head he's got a molded head underneath the fur but otherwise he's just He's just that fake fur. He's just cloth. He's super, super vulnerable. Um, and his his cheeks and his nose and his ears are all kind of worn down with so many, you know, uh, kisses and hugs and and being being put in a suitcase to to you know make an appearance and things like that. And compared to like King Friday, who was substantial. King Friday's got this big head with mustache and a beard and. He's got this metal crown, and he's got all these. Like he's got his robe and um, this vel beautiful velvet cape with the fur and the gold chain. You know, he was a heavy. He was a, um, a a Cadillac of a puppet, right? He was a heavy, substantial puppet, a soft, a soft, tiny little pu puppet body, but hidden underneath the epaulets and the and the and the cape. And it just struck me as, oh, th this this is. In, this has totally influenced their personalities. The the way that Fred manipulated these puppets um, was was yes due to their character, but also just due to their construction. And their their construction kind of played perfectly into the the characters that they played on the show, which which was a really fun discovery. You can't go wrong with Fred Rogers puppets because they were so minimalistic. Uh huh. And 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 I feel like oftentimes his puppetry is overlooked, right? You know, it's not it's not flashy like Muppets. There's not moving mouths. You know, I guess some of the puppets have moving mouths, right? But not all of them, and certainly not moving, you know, uh, blinking eyes or big feathers or anything like that. But really, if you think about it, his that style of puppetry is was the style that he did for everything, right? It was the style of the show. It was about stillness. And simplicity and focus and like trying to boil something down into its most essential parts, um, and then also imagination. It's also when when you have a puppet that is that sculptural, um, you allow your audience to do a lot of a lot of the work, um, which 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 means that we invest in those characters um, so much. So yeah, I, I really. I, I liked them before, but but then having spent this much time in the world over the last couple of years, you know, really getting to know these characters, I'm, I I like them all the more now. I think I think they're they're so they're they're de uh, deceptively complex. I, I think they're they're very very smart. You know, it's kind of ironic that we're 
we're talking about Mr. Rogers on like a pop culture show. Sure, it is about like what we cover. We talk about pop culture, but he hated the big flashy commercialism stuff. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's a direct reflection of where we are right now, right in, in 2020 as a as a country. Um, there we we we're craving Mr. Rogers. We're craving someone who will will come on and say hello. Uh, you know, I, I I see you for who you are, and that's just fine. You know, that's you are the the way you are, and um, we. I think we're 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 looking we're looking for these types of role models in our in pop culture and in and in our lives. Um, so I think I, I think it's been wonderful to see this resurgence of of Mr. Rogers, and I I, I think it's for a reason. Yeah, I mean it's so it's so funny because now preschoolers are discovering him because of. Uh... Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, the animated show. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a whole new. There's a whole new generation that's going to have a whole new take. And I'm. I'm super, super excited about the new. Um, um, the new. P- the new PBS show that's coming out. Oh. Um, have you Have you seen the mm-hmm. pictures of this for Don Quixote? That looks so good. Yeah, it's a. It's a uh, David Rudman, um, spiffy <laughs> pictures. So and and they do beautiful work and in and it's in this Fred Rogers world. I can't wait to see what they do with it. And and it's also practical puppets, right? They're gonna. It's so I can't I can't wait to see what how what what happens with that show. I you know it's so it's so funny because I knew it's been a few years, but I had been wanting to you know talk about Mister Rogers on the show, and then all this stuff started coming out. Like the documentary, and now this. It's like, yeah, him and Bob Ross are getting their resurgence. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, and they are—they are kind of spiritual brothers, aren't they? Like they're both—they're both calm. They—they—they. They, they, it is very apparent that they both love what they do. They respect their audience. Um, they do something that is very simple. It's it's simple and deep, um, and I and I don't I don't think there's any accident that that we are we are turning to those kind of figures. We need Reading Rainbow to make a resurgence too. Oh, that that would be great. I sign me. I'll sign that petition. That that would be that would be wonderful. Cause that's all in the same kind of PBS uh, world. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. When was you like meeting Tom Hanks for the first time? Oh, it was nuts. He, I, I mean, you know, it's um, so so. The first time I met him was for a puppet sitting. So I, I came out to um to Pittsburgh. We shot at WQED in the soundstage that they shot Mister Rogers' Neighborhood for you know for forty some years. So that was really unique. Um, and so I was out in Pittsburgh for a for a fitting. They were doing some camera tests. And so I, um, I've got Daniel Tiger, and I've got a, um, a rehearsal puppet that we built for Tom. Um, and so I've got them, and I've set them up on this little table, and, and you know, and the producers like, oh, you know, Tom will Tom will come in, in 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 a few minutes, and he'll do the fitting, and then he'll he'll go off to rehearsal. It's like, okay, great. So they they show me in, and I set up my little stuff, and. Um, and and I'm in this this, uh, this room, kind of adjacent in the in the studio, and 
I'm I'm just waiting for what felt like forever, right? I'm just trying to play it cool. And then and then sure enough, boosh, the door bursts open and he and he comes marching in and he goes, Hi, I'm Tom. He was like, Oh my god, of course you are. You're Tom Hanks. Yes, I, I know that. And I was like, oh, hi, I'm uh, Spencer. Uh, my name is Spencer. And we, um, and we were off to the races. Uh, but Tom is incredible. He is so smart. And um, he's on his game. He is, he is I mean, he's a, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a professional actor, right? He's, he's done his homework. He was excited to be there. Um, he gra- he went right for the puppets. We, we, we scooped him up and put him on and just started playing around. And he asked a lot of questions and we talked about, about the Fred Rogers style of puppetry and the stillness and the specificity. We talked about puppeteering on camera and using, you know, using monitors and the fact that it's, it's straight scan. And so, and so the image is going to be flipped. So when he moves the puppet to his left on camera, it will move to the right and things like that. Um, we did a little scene. He had the script of them, and so we, we, you know, we kind of talked through w- what he might be doing in one or two of the scenes. What was, what was the scene? I'm trying to remember. I feel like it may be the scene, um, uh, the scene in Fred's apartment when um, when um, the Matthew Reese character is interviewing him, and he and he keeps kind of deflecting and pulling out the puppets. Um, like, oh, you know, you, you may want to talk to a uh, King Friday that I think I, I think it was that scene. Um, so yeah, so we, and then we did, we did the fitting and, and I, I built the puppets with uh, extra seam allowance to make sure that we could, we could edit them all. Cause basically we didn't have time to start from scratch, uh, by this point in the production, we had to make sure that whatever we were working on, what we were going to need to use in the film that needed to fit Tom's hand. Um, but but the fitting went great, and we we got our measurements, and everything was good, and um, and then we were off to the races. I mean, when when Tom comes into the room, he is prepared. He knows he knows what he wants to do. He's going to try some things, and and I was I was so impressed with his trust. He trusts the crew. He really trusts um, the director, and he trusts his editors. Which is which is sometimes uh, hard as an actor, right? Your 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 entire performance is totally shaped by by the editors, um, and so you know we were, we were talking between takes on 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 one of the days, and and he was like, well, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You you do something stupid. If you do something stupid, the editors won't use it. They they don't want you to look stupid. They're they're gonna choose the take that they think is the best out of all your all your takes. And I was I was struck by his um his faith and confidence in in the in that um and part of you know part of that is because it's not his first rodeo and part of that is because he's tom hanks you know but um it was it was certainly inspiring as for me as a as a young uh uh you know actor puppeteer performer that was good good for me to hear i i i, I mean I, I learned something new every day when i was on set with him um so it, it was it was really it was a master class so a few weeks ago, we spoke with Tom Everett Scott, who got, of course, his first role in the film "That Thing You Do." That <laughs> yes, that, yes, that's right, that right. Tom directed and uh, the Wonders. Yeah, and, I love. We love. I love that film. So we talked about that, and I said to him, like, he seems like 
Tom generally seemed like he wanted to know what you were doing as a performer. What's up with you? You know, like, was he ever asking you questions about what you do and how you work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so even in the um, in our very first meeting, you know, I had this kind of notebook with with some of my my ideas and things laid out and things to remind me to talk to him about for the puppetry and things. And and, you know, he would smile and nod. But then but then he would look. He's like, oh, that's a great notebook. Where where did you get that notebook? I, I love that notebook. And and then I, you know, I was kind of showing it to him and he goes, oh, your handwriting. I love your handwriting. Look at this handwriting. This is this is the handwriting of an architect and, you know, things like that. And then um, um, I was showing him I was showing him how to break down the, the there's a I give him a puppet stand, right? A little wood puppet stand for, for the practice puppet. And he said, "Oh, you know, if if uh, if I were working for you, I would just be making those puppet stands. That's I would I would just be doing that part of the job, and you and you would do the rest. <laughs> you know, it's um, he uh, that's I think that's true. I think he 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 does. He's a he seems to be a really good listener, and he's genuinely interested in um, you know the the people around him, and especially when it's something kind of fun and and unique. So I think I think the." He's a big history buff, and he was into um, um, the the artistry of of the of the puppetry and and how we made the objects and and that kind of thing. So that was that was fun. So, so what was it like meeting the original cast and crew, and especially Joanne? Because that must have been cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It was very cool. She is. Um, I mean, she's she's a force to be reckoned with in her own right, right? And, and when you when you hear people talk about her, she's so bright she's so smart um and i can't i can't recall she might be into her 90s now mm, um yeah. but she but she's she's very very smart um and and just lovely um absolutely lovely and uh david newell who played uh, mr mcfeely and was also i think at one point he was he was the prop he did props for the show and then i think he may have even been the pr person for the show i mean it was like it was like this small public television ragtag team, right? There's kind of a team of maybe a dozen or so people who started out early with the show and then who grew along with the show and they became producers and um, um, child uh, um, child media specialists. And, and some of them are still working and or consulting for the Fred Rogers company, Fred Rogers Productions, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, meeting them, uh, we had a, a huge, a huge resource um, on, on, for the film for us was a, a woman named Kathy Borland, who was a, one of the, um, art director. I think she, I believe she started as a scenic painter on the show and then, and then, and then eventually became one of the art directors. And so she was an incredible resource. We could, we could take pictures of where we are, uh, where we were and, and we could send them to Kathy and she'd be like, Oh, you know, that looks pretty good, but I, we, we would never um, have stitched it like that. Um, we would have stitched it much, much worse and much faster. <laughs> or, and, and, or I would, I'd email her and be like, Kathy, we're having a heck of a time trying to find the buttons for Lady Elaine's sweater. Where, where, what, do you know anything about these buttons? She goes, ah, no, what, you know, we just would go to Michael's and buy whatever we could at Michael's. And, you know, like there's, there was, there was um, continuity for these characters, but there wasn't. There wasn't really kind of like a, a preciousness. Um, they it was it was ragtag. It was it's whatever, whatever it, it, was there. 
whatever was there, whatever they could find, um, whatever they could make on the spot. Um, it adds to the charm. Oh, totally. It totally adds. And, and, and that, you can feel that, right? You mm-hmm. can feel that the, these are puppets that were handmade. They were they were made by um, by artists, and um, so so yeah, we had we had a number of, of of resources that were super super helpful. In fact, Kathy even uh, loaned us some uh, original heads. So so the head for Henrietta Pussycat and the head for Queen Sarah. I don't think I don't think Queen Sarah actually made the final cut of the film, unfortunately. But those those heads we took molds from original, um, from a, a, from original molds that Kathy had left over, uh, so she shipped us those, and so we could we could pull molds from those. So those are the exact same sculpts of the of the original puppets, which was which was super exciting. And the uh, the other ones we had to do from scratch because because there was nothing that existed. Um, what else? These puppets, the, the archive had um, kind of limited uh, kind of records of who built what. So there's mm. there's like a sing- there's like a single sheet of paper um, that kind of goes down all the puppets and kind of lists who built them. Um, and a lot of the puppets were built by by Bob Self or Lee Howard. Um, and I've been doing I've been doing um, I've been trying to do research on them over the last couple of years. And if, and if you or any of your listeners can, can help me, um, that would be super helpful. So they had a company, Bob Self and Lee Howard had a company called APA. What was it? Maybe like uh, American um, animation pictures of America or something like that. And they did a lot of, they did puppets, but they also did a lot of stop motion. And I think one of, one of the two of them even helped pioneer an early, um, basically like a mechanized stop motion camera. It was like an early version of a camera that you could move on a track um, um, in specific increments so that you could have moving, you basically, you could create a dolly shot for stop motion. That's really cool. Um, and so I've been like, there's very, very limited research on them. So I've been, it's kind of been a personal... I'll look pers- around, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, keep, it, keep an eye out if you can see anything. There's... Um, there, there's not, there's not. I feel like there's not enough uh, about them. So, so anything would be great. So, so we were just, so we were just using, every, every, trying to use the cannon and trying to build these things as close to, um, as close to what they would have looked like in 1988 as, uh, as we could possibly get. So, when you were gearing up for this project, you know, was there any episode or moment that stuck with you? Let's, let's see. You know, they're like, I'm doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm doing, I'm working in this world. Any, any moments that stick out? I, I mean, we, the whole thing was was magical. We, um, um, a part of a part of the story actually that I haven't shared yet is that Fred Rogers, um, um, was my wife's godfather. And so he he was friends with um, my my in laws. Um, they are they're authors, uh, um, Wyatt and Roderick Townley. And Roderick had um, interviewed Fred on one or two occasions, and they had struck up a relationship um, and become kind of kind of pin pals, sending sending letters back and forth. And then Roderick was asked to contribute an an essay for this collection of um, collection of essays. Um, that was going to be published by um, Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh Press, uh, for for Mr. Rogers, 
Um, and so they became friends. Um, and they, they were kind of similar. The, the Roderick Townley and, and Wyatt Townley are kind of cut from the same cloth as, as Fred Rogers. And so they became friends. And so um, um, Fred Rogers became Grace's, my wife's uh, godfather. And so part of, part of this whole journey in, in cre- recreating these puppets for the films was also kind of rediscovering this family history. Um, and so we looked through the letters that her parents sent back and forth from Fred. Um, and then when we were at the archives doing our, doing our research, the head archivist um, said, you know, your last name's Townley. Do you... Um, uh, do you know Do you know a Rod Townley? And, and and my wife is like, yes, that's my father. And the and Emily, the archivist, said, oh, well, would you like me to pull your family file? Um, because I'm sure I think I think we have a whole collection of letters and correspondence with your family. And so all of a sudden, in the midst of this other incredible project, we're sitting at this table, and we're pouring through all these original letters back and forth. Um, Fred had saved every letter that that Grace's family had sent him, including in, including while Grace was growing up. He said, "Oh, you know, Fred, we're thinking of you. We've included this um, this picture from from Grace, age two. She she's drawn you a picture, and she wants she wants you to have it. And and that original artwork was there. Um, so then we're working on the film, and we've we've been reading these letters, and we're. We, we kind of immersed ourselves. We started uh, reading all of the essays and anthologies and listening to interviews. And we just kind of dug, um, 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 dove deep into the, um, the Fred Rogers world and canon. And the, the, the speci- uh, I mean, we watched, so I basically had so many hours of sculpting and carving and doing materials tests and things that we would just go through. I think, I think all the episodes are on, on Amazon. Many of the seasons are on Amazon. And so I would I um I um started in, for the episodes in 1998 mm-hmm. and kind of worked my way back. Yeah, um, I I and, mean, there and so there's like an episode, there's like a bunch of episodes that connect with our show. Like there's an episode where Fred goes to Mark Brown's studio and the voice yes. of Arthur is there. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I don't know if you heard you heard that one, right? Where yeah, I, I did hear that one. Yeah. Where I made him like react to that clip there, and, <laughs> and just, the people that knew Fred and met Fred, you know, loved him, and you know, I bet you you've learned that too. Yeah, it was very apparent that that when. When you had a conversation with Fred, that was the only thing that mattered in, in the world, right? It would, it would just, he would lock in and it would just be the two of you. Um, and, and I think he had a really, um, a really profound ability to do that. I, what, some of the episodes that, that I remember pouring over were the ones where he would show the puppets. There's, there's a couple where he would, you know, walk in the door with the suitcase and open them up and kind of do a little demo of, you know, these are some of my uh, puppet friends. And he would, you know, kind of do an introduction of each one. And, and so we would pour over those, those moments just to say, like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You hear, here Lady Elaine has a sub-sleeve that's um, pink, but, but then in this photograph it's black. And, I bet okay, there we got a human in. 
Yeah, so much zooming in and like, okay, okay, her wig is different. They've they've added paint to her wig here, but oh look, in in this one you can see something stitched to King Friday's hand, but it's not in the next one. You know, so just just trying. We knew we knew that there there wasn't enough information records to get it. You know, you know, absolutely right. And we weren't going to use the puppets from the archives, so we just wanted to make sure that the spirit of the characters was as 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 close as we could get. Um, Where so are the puppets now? So, so, the, so there's a couple. Uh, my understanding is there's a couple sets. So there's one set that there's one set that's um, in the archives there at the Fred Rogers Center in Latrobe, and then there's another there's another set that is on display at the Children's Museum in Pittsburgh. Which is really cool, and then there's a few other puppets. There's like um, Cornelius and um, who may, who else? Maybe a Grandpierre are are on display at the Heinz Center with some of the sets. There's I think there's a there's a castle and maybe um, the tree Excel's tree there on display at the Heinz Center. So we had so so we had a kind of a weekend. And we, we did basically the Fred Rogers tour of the city. So we, we were at the archives taking notes and then we and then we went to every, you know, public institution where we could find that that had any of the puppets or any of the of the uh, Fred Rogers elements to try and do the do as much homework as we as we could. One of my favorite Mr. Rogers moments is has nothing to do with puppets, but it's the one with um Jeff Erlinger. The boy oh, in the wheelchair. I, yes, yes. I wanna like. I just wanna talk about that. Like, just dealing with something as simple as that. Yeah. That that that's profound, and that could impact someone later in life. Oh, I mean, he was radical in that way, right? I mean, the the choices that he made, the the people that he brought onto the show, and and and. Um, and and the the way that he spoke to them, he he just he spoke to them like he spoke to everyone else, like as as friends and human beings. Um, it was it's such a radical <laughs> the the representation that he had on that show even thirty years ago was was radical even for today. So he he was a he was a he was a true trailblazer bla- uh, blazer in that way that that episode's incredible and then and then of course have you seen have you seen the clip from the awards show where they mm, bring jeff yeah jeff out and 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 um what does he do he 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 kind of just like leaps what he like leaps down he gets so excited yes and greets jeff and they have this moment and it's it's gorgeous it's 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 the real deal you you, you know you can't you can't fake that and, you know, at that point, I hate to be, like, a sappy, sentimental person in this episode, but at that point in time, disability representation in media wasn't a thing yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was he was way ahead of his time, wasn't he? It wasn't a thing yet. And, like, a kid in 1981, when that episode aired would see them themselves and be like, that's me. Yes, yes. Is that, um, is that the same episode where they talk about um, vans that, that you can ride in with a wheelchair? Is that the same one or is that a different episode? I think, I think that the episode with Jeff, uh, the other topic was divorce. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah, I think. 
Um, so I, because I also I remember there there's an episode where he just talks basically just like um, my friend rides a, my friend has a wheelchair and and this is how my friend uh, yeah, there's a gets, couple wheelchair related gets uh, this is how they get in the in a vehicle isn't this fun look at this they they ride this um this platform up into the van and they get they get buckled in what a what an incredible invention like he just. He 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 took the time and he 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 had a he had a spotlight and he knew it right and so he chose to shine that spotlight on on um, so many so many people and and so many ways of being and it's 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 so important it's he real I feel like he really felt the responsibility and of of his of his platform. Before we wrap up, can we talk about Sesame briefly? Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, I started my very first thing for Sesame was in season forty six, um, and I've just slowly been building. Doing um, started out the first year was one or two, one or two days, one or two kind of little gigs, and then the next year I got a few more, and the next year I got a few more, and now right now we're in the middle of shooting season fifty one, uh, and it's um, it's a it's a dream, you know, it's it's such a uh, it's such a fun, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. And this is how I felt working on the Mr. Rogers film too. Like it's, it's pretty unique when the artistry of the show matches the mission, right? Where, where you feel good, you feel good about the show, not just because of the work you're doing and you're having fun or you're, you, you feel like you're, you know, doing good performance, but because the mission is so important so I'm, I'm, I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast there. And, and it's, it's such a, it's such, it's really lovely to be a part of that legacy. My, you know, the, the, the people in the ensemble, Marty Robinson, uh, Pam Arciero, Carmen Osbar, these people were, were hired, uh, uh, by Jim and have been there for so many decades. They've, they've done so many episodes. They know the shows and have lived the show so deeply um, and so it's, it's my job, um, uh, just to take it in and support them and try and learn as much as I can and, and continue this, um, legacy and the traditions of, of, of the Muppets on this show. Um, so it's, it's really, it's, um, it's a great place to work. It's, it's, a, it's really fun. Did you do any work on the 50th anniversary special? Yeah, I did. I, I got to I got to be there for uh, for a couple of days of shooting, which was which was which was great. Did you did you catch it? I loved it so much. Oh, good, good. We I I can tell you we loved filming it. You know, it was it was one of those things where it's like, oh, this is what it wants to be. I mean, it was everybody. It was and and to have all those classic as a Muppet nerd, right? To have all those classic Muppets in one place to. Um, um, Don Music is there, and Captain Vegetable is there, and all you know, all these, all these classic characters, and then, um, and then uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is such a Muppet nerd himself, uh, and he was having so much fun. Um, he and his his family was there, and his his um, two two kiddos, and they were loving. Oh, how long of a shoot was that? Uh, how long? I want to say maybe, oh, a week, maybe maybe eight days, but basic basically basically a or maybe five, maybe five days, maybe just a Monday through Friday. I know that no was, no was there for a few days. 
Yeah, yeah, he was there. I mean, and that was also fun. It was these big, giant group scenes, right? And so those are the best. Um, they, every, everybody's got two puppets on, one puppet on each hand. And you're, uh, you're, you're down and you're crouched next to um, um, uh, Patty. You're in between Patty LaBelle or, uh, um, you, you know, it, it fill in the blank of some, uh, or, or Bob or susan you know it was it was just like so much fun um it, it felt like what it may have felt like in the in the good old days right in the classic Sesame it was days. the best anniversary special there was yeah uh, it, uh, we, it was it was so much fun to shoot we were we were having we were having a blast and we were trying to sneak in even more Easter eggs and little things, and I and I love what they did with the animation at the at, at the um, in the credits. You know, just like all those little homages to the history of the I show. I watched it when it. I watched the special when it premiered. Oh, that's great! Oh, fun. Yeah, uh... yeah. It was, um, and then also just hearing hearing all all these all these various artists and musicians and um, and, and people talk about sesame street in their lives and you know how it's impacted them and what they remember well, um, um from I, sesame street like i i'm a 90s kid so like it was like i grew up with the the 90s era of sesame street but like there was like even back then they did a lot of crossover with the older stuff yep so, yep totally so you knew who bob was Yep. You knew, like, you knew who Maria was. One of my favorite underrated Sesame Street projects is a, is a home video called Big Bird Gets Lost. Big Bird Gets Lost. Have I, would tell, tell, tell me about that one. I'm not sure if I've seen that one. Well, in the, in like the late 90s, they did, they did this series called King's Guide to Life, where they had a lesson highlighted in each episode. So, Snuffy's roller skates break or something, and they have to go to the... And Big Bird has to go to the mall with Maria, and he him and Maria get lost, and it's... Really, it's a really fun special. Oh, I'm gonna check it out. That sounds great. But it's just like Sesame is everywhere, even still. I mean, that's one of the you know we're shooting season fifty one. <laughs> it's remarkable. The it's so unique in that way, right? That that so many generations have some kind of reference, even though our our nineties memories of the Sesame is, is different than the show today. There there are some of those touchstones, Big Bird. Bert and Ernie, Oscar the Grouch, right? Some of these characters um, ha- are familiar to um, such a wide swath of of uh, audiences. So it's it is it is truly unique in that way. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. I'm super excited about the work that Sesame Workshop is doing um, overseas, starting this starting the new um, show. They they got the MacArthur. Foundation grant, and then I think, and also, and also a Lego. I heard about that matching grant, and they're creating a a a version of Sesame Street for for refugees, um, and for for uh, for young people who don't have access to 
to the kind of, you know, everyday early education. And so to me, that is like such a, that is to, uh, such a perfect example of like Sesame using their resources and their platform um, in something that reflects a real world. Here, here's what we're dealing with in, in 2020. I'm, I'm so proud of that. You know, I'm not a part of that initiative, but I think, I think it's so important. So there's, um, yeah, it, it, it continues. It, it, it'll continue to grow and change and, but, but the fact that it that it's able to to uh, address some of these needs, I think is I think is really really wonderful and inspiring. So, what is your favorite Sesame musical moment from like a star from back then? Not like the new stuff. Like a like a classic a classic musical moment. I I'll tell you I'll tell you mine. Yeah, give me yours. Wanna, um, REM very happy. Ah, yes, yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, I love that. Um, one written by Chris Sharp. No, the legendary, the one and only. Um, I I've already mentioned him today on the show, but I'm a I'm a sucker. I'm a real sucker for Yo Yo Ma. Um, I think, and and especially the work that Yo Yo Ma is doing now is he's got kind of got this like he I feel like he's tra- he's transcended to this kind of like global citizen artist, and and everywhere he ever ever. Everywhere he goes, he is an advocate for um, for for being a, a decent human being, um, and so there's there's some there's some really fun yo yo ma. There's um, a yo yo ma and hoots the owl bit that I love, um, and then what what else? I mean I mean the music on the show has always been such a fun part of it. Another good one that I love is the, going way back, the James Taylor, Jellyman Kelly. Ah, uh, Jellyman there. Kelly, yes. Um, uh, Stevie Wonder on the show. I mean, there's so many, like, classic mm. Another numbers. one, I'm, it's so weird, because I always, like, you know, I was a music nerd as well as, like, a sesame kid, so I would hear, this, hear these songs on the radio, and then there would be a sesame version with the artist doing it, like the Goo Goo Dolls doing Pride. Yes, like that kind of stuff. I just love. <laughs> oh. There's, uh, there's some. I mean, it's and that's when I. I also think that's when the show is at its best, right? When it's playing to uh, multiple audiences, right? It's playing to everyone in the room. But even when it's not music, like if you're doing like a pop culture thing, where yeah. Like, like the Stranger Things thing from a few years back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they had, like you can just do anything on that show, pretty much. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's and it's as a performer, it, that's also one of the things that makes it fun. Um, so yeah, it's 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 pretty, it's it's a pretty lovely place to be. So where can people connect with you if they want to hear from you? So I've I'm um I'm on uh, probably the most active on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram. I think um I think my handle is uh, Mr. Lot M I S T E R L O T T, and I I post um like behind I also do you know like puppet design and I, I create my own you know I'm I'm a playwright and create my own short films and stuff like that. So I, I post stuff there on Instagram. I'm I'm not as active on Facebook. I've got an artist page on Facebook, Spencer Lot L O T T. Um, but I'm not I'm not that hard to find. And then I've got a, I've got a website with some of my pu- puppet designs. 
and um, and and things like that. Um, uh, MrLot.com. Um, so you can you can check me out there as well. Thank you so much for talking with us. Oh my gosh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Um, um, I, I think we're um, uh, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> I think, I I think like, we're friends, though. Yeah, it feels like we are like like-minded souls. Um, so this was this was an absolute pleasure, and I'm and I'm so glad you're doing this show. This this is um, this is uh, really really a lovely thing for for your listeners. So so thank you. The DJ Bob Show, pop culture, past and present. <laughs>